0: And let's welcome back to the VIN podcast, renowned journalist, Yochanan Dunn, who's here to bring us a recap and analysis of the election. Yochanan is an editor at Mishpacha and Yated. He spent 12 years as editor at Hamodia. Yohanan this was obviously a very exciting election, surprising results. What is your biggest takeaway from this election?
1: My biggest takeaway is actually how the how the community was able to come out and vote. This is something that's, that that. I don't think anybody predicted, even people that I was speaking to, uh, you know, before the election, people involved in get-at-the-vote efforts, and they were saying if they would get 15 percent, then they'll be happy. And over here, we got 50 percent in the Hamish areas, Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Lakewood, everywhere. People really came out and voted Amazing. for this election. And
0: I saw that you actually tweeted about that. Uh, two questions. Number one Uh, What do you attribute that to? And I know you mentioned some of that on Twitter, but I'd like you to reiterate it. And number two, does that increase our influence in future elections? Are politicians going to say to themselves, the Haredi communities, the Hamisha communities, they're a powerful force, they're going to come out and vote, and we've got to keep them happy?
1: So number one, uh, there are two things that have to happen in order to get anything done. Number one, you need motivation. So the motivation certainly existed now. You know, you had some, uh, uh issue that really got, you know, got people upset, which is the yeshiva education. And I think that Lee Zeldin really did a good job at harnessing the, the rise in crime into getting people to go out and vote. And number two, you had a very clear distinction between the two candidates. You had one candidate who was really out there talking about yeshivas. And he was very vocal in our community saying in every speech, every time he met people, he said about how yeshivas are the most important issue. And on the other hand, I, I would say a little unfairly, but, uh, Governor Hokel was not, uh, you know, she basically, you know, lip synced, uh, the, her way through it that without, uh, with, not saying publicly that how, you know, that she would support the yeshivas and, uh, and also the fact that she sort of like mocked the fear and anxiety that people have about crime and about you know going going into the subway that really uh, that, that really yeah, you know motivated people, people to want to yeah. vote for the for the Republicans. So that's those two things you had, and like I, like I wrote in my tweet, um, th- those two <laughs> things, those two motivators are not uh, you know uh, were not enough. You need to actually get people to say, here you're angry, you're whatever. You're, you whatever, you want to do something about it. Let's go vote and you had people who you know made the calls for the first time this is the first time that they did this they had phone banks of uh, people calling just reaching out to voters tens of thousands of voters uh the, the just letting you know the polls are open from 6 to 9 the, you know you know maybe we can help you with your voting booth and that 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 really got people to you know just take the next step from feeling motivated to actually go and get and vote.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times it's interesting. It's those little practical things. I mean, uh, as a national example, Obama versus Hillary, and that was primaries. But it, 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 Obama stunned the political world and uh, brought down, in a certain sense, the Clinton dynasty for many years back. I guess in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, and a lot of it was just the ground game. Was just that you know Hillary was totally mm-hmm. unprepared for Obama's logistics,
1: right? Right, you do hear all the time about how a certain a, a certain candidate is more popular, less popular. But the you know people who follow politics, they just look at who are the likely voters. In other words, who are the ones who will will take their anger or take their their uh, their how do you say it? Take their enthusiasm for a candidate and actually go and pull the lever for him. Actually, we don't don't pull levers for him, but to vote for him.
0: (laughs) Now, as far as uh, part two of the question, is this going to help us? Because people saw that, you know, when the Haredi communities are motivated, they get out the vote.
1: Yes. Um, Politicians look at, at, uh, obviously, number one, who votes, and number two, whether those votes are persuadable. So you have certain parts that like, oh, that's a democratic area. You can do whatever you want, and uh, they'll never not vote for the Democrats. The Republicans give up on them, and vice versa also. Um, So, so the Jewish community, the Orthodox, the Hamish community, I think is uh, uh, persuadable voters. You do have certain parts, uh, for certain parts that are will vote Republican no matter what, and you have certain parts. Even in the Hamshire community, they were more Democrat, no matter what. But the vast majority of voters uh, are persuadable either way, and this is this is where the politicians come down, and they and they want to mine those areas to get them for them next time. So the fact they are able to get come out with, uh, for example, you know, in AD forty eight, which is Burr Park, they had. They had uh, they uh, how many uh, votes uh, they had about thirty thousand votes so that's something that politicians will sit up and notice for next time um, I, I used to do, when I was in Hamidi I used to do a lot of political interviews I still do it today but not uh, not not quite as much and I used uh, and I would ask them okay what's your you know what's your path to victory and. They, they all, you know, the ones who were able to come out with maps and say, here, look at this, this area, look at 48th Street. You see over there, 72 people voted at this time. I can't tell you who voted for who, but I see over there that, uh, that, uh, 61 of them voted for Republican and the other 11 voted for the Democrat. Look, let's look on 47th Street between the uh, 12th and 13th. You know, this is how many voted Democrat, this is how many voted Republican. This is what they do. A good campaign who wants to win, they have those maps and they look at. The, they can't tell you, you know, your your house, who voted for who, but they could tell you by black, and and and, uh, and and that's where they direct the services. That's where they direct the attention. So it's hard not to believe that this will, won't have an effect.
0: And I once heard interesting what the point you just made. I heard and correct me if I'm wrong. I heard this actually from a congressional staffer who i happened to bump into uh that they can't see who you voted for obviously your vote is anonymous but they actually they know who voted when you go to the polling station you know they write it down they keep a record because they, they don't they don't want duplicate votes and i heard that a congressperson if you call for help they may actually look you up and see that you voted they don't know if you voted for them or not but if you didn't vote at all then they're they're actually more dismissive
1: yeah, it's possible. You know, I, I can't tell you if they do it or not, but I can tell you that it's uh, it doesn't take more than that information. for
0: them to do it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, what a lot of people are wondering is now that Hochul won, and I look, we knew that Lee Zeldin was a long shot. I know, you know, and, and you have to live in a cave not to realize that in, in deep blue New York. But does it hurt our community because the vast majority? Of our community, as we discussed last time, supported Zeldin and the Rabbanim, in droves endorsed Zeldin, which is very, very rare, uh, and now Hochul will not feel beholden to us, or does Hochul get the message this is something we care deeply about and she still wants our support, and therefore this may actually get her to do, to do more to defend yeshivas?
1: Yeah, it definitely will. When it comes to the issue of yeshivas, I can tell you this is her ideology. I do, you know, I, I, I can't get into that, but I could just tell you that, uh, a lot of people woke up. The, yeah. A lot of people woke up this morning thinking, uh, I don't know if they'll say it out loud, but you know, thank God for the Satmar Maria and Square Ebra that endorsed Hokel. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, 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 both sides over here about the ones who endorsed Zelda and the ones who endorsed, uh, Hochul, they both had the same concern, which is how will this help the yeshivas? so i think it was very good we did not put all our eggs in the same basket and even though they got the, they got a tremendous amount of criticism for their decision but uh right now at least we're not stuck over here without uh you know having all back the lose the the lose in this thing having said that i would add that governor Hochul is not is not somebody who is it's not like a presidential election and this is her second round and that's it and you know she wants to be in office for many years. She still wants to be to 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 you know to be able to run again and again and again. She wants to stay in office as long as possible. Um, four years is not a long time. She definitely has seen that this is a big issue, and she'll be working over the next four years to make sure that this doesn't come up as a, a, a demotivator that people should not want to vote for her. Uh, in the next election. So yeah. it, I, I don't think the way it is, you know, p- people think, oh, uh, the way we, we angered, we ticked off the, 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 the officials who can help us. That's not the way it goes in a democracy. I'm not talking about what they have to do. I'm saying, on a, as a practical matter, uh, the politicians who want to stay in office, they don't say, okay, this committee didn't vote for me. I'm not going to help them with this. They say, no, I want to help you, and next time you'll vote for me. That's just the way it goes uh, and just not only by yeshivas. it just goes by every you know concern that any community has if it's a community that votes and it's a community that's persuadable they'll the the, the, the that official will, will will really want to get to earn that vote for the next time
0: and I'm curious just to add a point and I'm curious if you agree with me um I believe that there are Bonim and as we said uh, in, in, from Rashi kamensky to to Rabbi Reisman, to many hasidisha rebbe's. You know, the overwhelming majority did, did endorse Zeldin as we know. I don't think that they were not aware that Zeldin was a long shot. I don't think they woke up shocked that Hokel won. I, you know, people say, Oh, look, it was a mistake. If only we had known we should have supported Hokel. I don't think they knew that Hokel would win. I think they believed that it was a toss up. But, but, but my point is it, it's not as though they're looking back, regretting it and saying, Oh, we should have realized. I think they calculated. Yes, maybe HOKO will win, but this is not like other issues. This is an issue they're attacking yeshivas. Yeshiva education is under attack. This is something which hits so close to home that if we just go out and blindly vote for the person who is a friend of our community or – is the more likely candidate to win, and we're essentially throwing the yeshiva education under the bus. Again, I'm not saying that that's what the other side is was doing either. That's not my point. My point is that they realized this might happen, and they felt, you know, it's like if somebody, my analogy is if somebody, al Lutzon, has a sickness. And it's not a good sickness. It's a dangerous sickness, and they take an experimental drug because the alternative is... Not doing anything. You know, the, the, if Hokel if we had voted for Hokel and Hockel won, uh, it's not like Hokel would turn around and say, all right, now I'm going to make sure that the restrictions don't get put into place. I, I think that was their calculation.
1: Right. Well, uh, it's just uh, there are a lot of a lot of myths about uh, about this whole thing. If you mind if I just uh, do, you know, sure, go for it breaking. <laughs> number one, number one, none of the ones who uh, uh, who did any of the endorsements on both sides Felt that uh, Governor Hochul was a monster, was somebody who who was on the wrong side of the issue, or or that Lee Zeldin was somebody who uh, you know had some sort of like uh, you know some sort of like magic wand that would be able to make everything disappear. And nobody was on the, I'm talking about the leadership, the ones who really you know really went into this, you know had any had any uh, you know misconceptions about this. Uh, the issue. Is the state, the issue is the, the Board of Regents, which is a totally independent body, which is sort of like, uh, you know, just on the people familiar, a little familiar with the federal government, sort of like the Department of Justice. They operate independently from the president. They're not, but the only thing is, by the Board of Regents, they're not even appointed by the governor. They're appointed by the assembly. They have nothing with the governor. The governor, the governor does have a power through the fact that she uh, provides a budget for the Board of Education, for the Board of Regents. So the question was, how, which one of the candidates will be able to begin a budget fight? Remember, but if the budget is late, then you start getting negative press. The only thing a governor could can do can they get negative press, obviously besides being caught in a scandal, is get the budget late. Um, by March 31st, the second you hear the word April on budget, you know that things are not good. <laughs> So will the, a governor be willing to actually stick at his or her neck, you know, and and say I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not going to sign a budget unless it's everything thing is taken care of. That that was the thing. Will they be willing to do it or not? And uh, and this was the two sides. You know, I, I understand that the, that the South Maria. Um, you know, had had a talk with the governor before this, and this was the condition that uh, that he agreed to endorse. Her, was the fact that she'll do it, and and I can't tell you whether he, you know, whether he did get it or he didn't get it. But at the end of the day, I can tell you that he endorsed her, and she did send the letter to him, and uh, and they both understand that things that get done quietly behind the scenes always work better than coming out publicly saying, uh, you know, we have an agreement. So I'm, I'm yeah. just hopeful that, that something will happen. So that's, that's one myth. Another myth is that anybody thought that Lee Zeldin was actually, uh, was actually, you know, leading in the polls, or even tied in the polls. Lee Zeldin did have some good polling and including some showed him as a dead heat, but still as a practical matter, this is a, you know, it, it is a very, it is a blue or blue states a state, New York, and also it's very hard to take down a sitting governor.
0: Yeah, you made There's that so point tools. right here, last time we spoke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anybody who endorsed him would understand that, he, that he's going to win. You know, I, I don't think. No, I, I want to rephrase that. Nobody endorsed him with the, with the thing that he's going to win. The, what they, what the feeling was, that if we all throw our our support behind the single candidate, this will show Albany that this is we really care about Yeshivas. Not that Hochul is bad, and not that Zeldin, you know, has a magic wand. But we're all supporting one candidate. Why? Why are we united all of a sudden? Because Yeshivas are important to us. And that will sort of motivate Albany to to try to you know to you know to do what they could about this whole thing about the regulations. So now that it's over, we can go back to the drawing board and say uh, you know now that you all see how much we cared about it, we had such. You remember, t- take a look at the. You want to see the power of this uh, this red wave over here in South Brooklyn? Take a look at the the assemblymen who lost their seats. Why? Because everybody came out to vote for the governor and they just went down the, the list of voting <laughs> right. Republican and you know Peter Badi he's been in office for many, many he's been in office more than most voters were alive. And he was why he was <laughs> sent out of office. You know, uh Steve Simbert's also him and his first wife, he took over when his wife died. There also been the what is it like 30, oh, close to thirty four, thirty five years. Wow. And he also lost reelection, you know. So uh, this does send a tremor in Albany. And uh, because these people are Albany, you know, part of the furniture over there. So I I think the (laughs) message was sent.
0: Okay. Now I want to get to, I actually want to get to Lawler, the big upset Lawler Maloney in Rockland. But before that, the more broader picture, the national election, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. Obviously, we know about the red wave that wasn't, the experts once again, got it wrong and everyone expected this massive red wave. It did not happen. There was a red trickle, a red puddle. You know, it does look like the Republicans are going to take the House. They did squeak by, but nowhere near what was expected. So I'm wondering if you had any thoughts and kind of I see this recurring uh, claim made again and again. Well, it's well, it's got to be Trump related. It's got it's got to have something to do with Trump. The reason being because people are miserable. I mean, the the economy, inflation, people cannot stand Biden. Like, so, and it's the Democrats who are in power. So it's very bizarre. I'm just curious uh, what your thoughts are on all of that.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, you're saying that everybody thought that there would be a red wave. But if you look at the polling data, you did not see that. The polling data was always that it will be, you know, at one point, they would say that the Democrats might even be able to hold the house uh you know at the time that the Roe v. Wade decision came out in the end the summer that followed uh, the past few weeks they were saying, "Oh look everybody was was looking for a red wave, so whenever there was like any signs of uh, of you know of movement towards the Republicans, everybody would say, "Oh look, the red wave is here there 's the red wave we 're seeing it, but it never really showed up that much in the polls there were you know, uh, th- there were enough Republicans that were started leading or even pulling, up, even with the Democrats. But it never really had like, uh you know, uh, you know, like, uh you know, thing districts that that either you know Biden won by here or the, or the Trump won or something like that. That all of a sudden that the Republican became like the clear front runner or something like that. You didn't really see that. So. I I don't know why they were saying that there's signs of a red wave, there was signs since the house was so close. You're talking about uh, a difference of eight seats between them. So people assume that because of the economy and everything, they'll be able to win enough, just a a handful of seats in order to be able to control the the chamber control the house. But the, the, about about whether it's related to Trump, I don't know. It's it, it's 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 still a surprise. This whole thing, you know. You think that if the, if there's any time that uh, uh, that the opposing party party that's totally out of power will be able to take control as a year like this with inflation, you know, a, a record high, and the economy in shambles and gas price. Everybody's saying that the gas prices are. You know, like a, a, a pro a anti Biden, you know, sign on every street street corner, and they weren't able to do it. I, I don't. It's a mystery why. Yeah, it, um, I assume that uh, I assume that Biden is feeling pretty good tonight.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, he is. The Democrats are. Uh, the the Republicans, for the most part, are not. You know, they're kind of like I think shell shocked. And uh, yeah, look, part of it was I, I understand your point about if you look district by district, poll by poll. The real clear, real clear politics average, they they had something like 55% chance of the Republicans taking the Senate, which the Republicans still actually might take the Senate, depending on Georgia. But you're right that people get carried away when it's a 55 or a 60% chance. Uh, that that doesn't mean it's a 95% chance. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be 40 seats. So you're right. I, I think part of it was like the fact that, you know, so many voters on both sides, the polls were like, all right, voters say the economy is number one in on their mind, and voters say that 13% of the people are actually satisfied with the economy. No surprise there. And they trust Republicans more. It was like putting a bunch of puzzle pieces together where, like, it's inevitable. Like, hello. <laughs> how, how could voters want to keep the same people in power? But, but you're actually, I like that you're looking at the data, and uh, that is a great point.
1: Yeah. I would also say that besides New York, Florida, where you had a a single candidate who was able to motivate voters, you did not really have the, you know, the the presidential level number of voters, of voter participation, you know, to to say that people were more excited about voting or something like that. This was a typical midterm election. You know, you had the lower levels of voting, uh, lower, you had lower levels of voter participation. And whenever you have that, it always favors uh it usually favors the incumbent. So you know, over here in New York, we had we had a lot of voters. A lot of people came out. That's what gave you know Zeldin you know five came five percent to to Hochul. Fly to You know, people were very excited about DeSantis and they came out to vote for him. But all these small, you know, these congressional races, it, it was uh, you know you didn't have elevated numbers of voters.
0: That's a really interesting point. I didn't hear anybody else make that point. It's a great point. All right. Mike Lola. Yeah, I, yeah continue. No, yeah. finish your thought.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. I, this is just something that I saw.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right. District, I believe it's uh, New York 17, uh, but Rockland Count- County, including the Muncie area, we know about the b- famous Biden phone call to the Square Rebbe. And uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, who is one of the leaders in the House, who is you know basically the uh, the head of uh, uh, of what's it called the Democrat conditional, uh, Congressional Committee, the DCCC. And he is upset by Lawler. So it's like the first time in 30 years that that has happened. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Obviously, once again, we see the Haredi community, the Hamish community, literally embroiled right in the middle of this race that got so much national attention. And Mike Lawler, he definitely is a friend, I know for a fact, of The Yiddish community of, of, of the Muncie community. He's a big supporter of, of a lot of their causes. They, you know, he's, they have him on speed dial. He did these, uh, these fundraisers in these, you know, from homes in the Muncie area and the, uh, you know, the, the the greater Muncie region, let's call it. And, uh, but there was this ad going around associating Lawler with anti-Semitism. So what are your thoughts on all of that?
1: Yeah, about that ad, both sides, uh, you know, Lawler said that had nothing to do with him. He doesn't know how it, who did it. Um, I spoke to, I spoke to people, you know, yeshiva, a, a couple of yeshiva administrators in the area, and both said that it's very hard to believe that Lawler would do that. I imagine, you know, I, I listen, I, I could speculate, you know, whether it's a, somebody, somebody, the Republican party in Rockland County is historically anti-Semitic. You know, Ed Day has lain low the past couple of years, and a lot of people, uh, you know, he, he a lot of people even you know, a lot of should people even voted for him the last time when he was up for election. But uh, you know, the, the head of the Republican Party, the Lawrence Garvey, is you know he produced that infamous video right. a couple of years ago about the us. So I imagine it might have been one of his support, one of Lola's supporters, without his uh, you know independent from the campaign who did that. But uh, but Lolo did the right thing and he condemned it immediately. So it, it, I I don't think that 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 should trigger over here or reflect on him. About the campaign itself, yeah, it's it's a very big embarrassment for the for the for the Democrats to have the person in charge of getting Democrats across the country elected in this cycle, and he himself lost re-election. One of the few Democrats that lost re-election.
0: Interesting, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, and, and I, I guess you know, like you said, it pr- probably almost collateral damage because I think Maloney also has a good relationship, uh, with the you know from communities in in his in his district. But collateral damage once it going down the Republican ticket.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it, a lot a lot of people uh, a lot of people were. I'm I'm saying I spoke to someone in Satma. You know the fact. That they endorsed Maloney caused a lot of, uh, a lot of people asking questions, a lot of people were angry. and if you look at the numbers out of, uh, out of you know out of Case Yale, out of New Square, you see that uh, even though most of them went for Maloney, but uh, a good part of them, about a third you know, went for, went for Lola, so he you know in order to win, he had to get everybody. He had to get 100 percent of the vote, and I said he only got uh, what is like 60 percent.
0: That is interesting, yeah. So that wasn't enough. Do you know what the differential was? How many votes separated the two? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Well, at the the end,
1: it was about 3,000.
0: Wow. So really? They didn't finish
1: counting yet, yeah. But uh, right right now, it's about 3,000 votes separating them.
0: Unbelievable. Okay, very fascinating. Any final thoughts?
1: Final thoughts. Well, uh, elections are always, for me personally, is always an exciting time. There's this build-up, and uh, and enjoy the next, uh, what is it, a uh, couple of weeks because the presidential election is starting. The long road <laughs> to 2024 is starting now already. So uh, whoever nope. enjoys it, you know, so uh, lick your chops.
0: Whoever <laughs> doesn't enjoy it. Like you said, uh, yeah, I, I, I yeah. confess, I enjoy it. Like you said last time, you know, the, some people have the playoffs, the World Series and the Super Bowl. For us, this is it. This was certainly not a letdown at all. This certainly all the build up definitely. I mean, I'm not happy with the results. I don't mean that, but in, but from the entertainment and sports aspect of it, which I think is kind of the, the healthy way to look at it. Uh, this has been truly a roller coaster. And now that's, as yeah, you yeah. said, November 15th. What could that big announcement be that Trump is promising us? What could it be? What could
1: it be? Maybe a new, a new, a new line of uh, Trump stakes. Who knows? Yeah. Uh,
0: actually, I got to ask you: what, Do you do you think that Biden, and we're not going to know this for a while? Do you think that Biden's going to run for re-election?
1: I think so. I think so. At this point, Ooh. you know, uh, I, I think is in there. I I, I would have predicted if he would have had a bad night. Then I, my think, the thinking was my, my thinking was that, uh, he would say he would announce he'd not run a free election because, you know, nobody wants to be the guy that pulled out his whole party and then having to take you into an election with, uh, w- with such an economy and everything. But he, he did pretty well. You know, he did, after all is said and done, I think will come out. They'll have the, he'll have the best midterm election for a, a sitting president. Uh, in modern history, true. So I think that's something that he'll want to, you know, have on on his belt when he when he has for re-election. And uh,
0: uh, true. That's so a good I think point.
1: unless uh, uh, unless something really happens, you know, let's uh, like you have like a popular governor that says uh, I'm going to challenge him or something like that. I think that uh, Biden is will be the candidate for the Democrats,
0: which is the silver lining because that would be great news for for whoever the Republican candidate ends up being.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, you know, I'm a little I'm a little conflicted on that because I'm trying to figure out who would a Republican want to face, you know, Biden, who's considered the relative moderate or any of the, the ones, any of the like the next crop of leadership, the next generation, they're all
0: much further to the left. Right. AOC, so, uh, Gavin Newsom. That's Yeah. True. Well, well, AOC.
1: Yeah. Gavin Newsom. You know, one name I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing, uh, you know, I'm hearing consistently is Ned Lamont. Ned Lamont from Connecticut.
0: Interesting. Yeah. He's
1: a little quiet. You don't really hear him. Uh, You know, he, anybody remembers him? He, when he first got onto the national scene, when he challenged Joe Lieberman for the Senate in 2006, if you remember. Uh, And he beat him in the primary, right? uh, He beat him in the primary, right. Yeah. Yeah. But now he has a very solid resume, and, uh, and I'm just hearing, you know, just hearing his name come up. So you never know. You never know who might be, you know, the, the, the next, next Democrat. You know, to run for president, but uh, on the Republican side that I'm sure there will be a lot of uh, a lot of talk now. I wonder if DeSantis is going to primary Trump even without uh yeah. without waiting for, you know, for the next election it's- or something like that. I can't uh, between me. You know, I can't imagine that he won't. DeSantis <laughs> at the height of his powers right now. These things, these things fizzle. When you're popular, you know, you don't say, okay, I'll, I'll wait four years and then I'll, my popularity, my, my popularity will stay. It doesn't go like that. These things fizzle and he, he's term limited now. So he'll, he's out of office in 2026 and nobody wants to, you know, like leave office and then have to start two years of running for president. Very true. So my, my thinking is, is that especially after last night, Ron DeSantis got a landslide victory. He won Democratic areas. He won Latino areas. He won youth for all the votes, all the all the all the constituencies that you gotta win in order to in order to, you know, to become president, he won last night. And uh, Donald Trump did not have that that good of a night. So Yeah. You know, I, 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 what do you say? What do you say?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, no, look, from a standpoint of like we said, the pure sport of it. I mean, nothing could be more exciting than Trump versus DeSantis. It it would get ugly. I mean, Trump versus anybody um, is, is, is ugly. Don't remind but, me. But yeah, uh, be yeah, ugly. no question about it. But uh you're talking about you know two real powerhouses and uh, two extremely popular figures. Very different. Their, their their persona are different, even though they're both beloved by by conservatives. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a great question. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd have to believe yeah that DeSantis would like you said, you know, kind of grab the op- There are people who think, nah, he'll just wait it out. He's so much younger. But, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, you never kind of want to push it off. Who knows what could happen? I mean, uh, you know, yeah. s- some other Democrat gets gets elected and then has eight years. You know, Newsom gets elected in 2024, let's just say. Then you got eight years of Newsom and then DeSantis is in his 50s. And uh, the- theoretically, even if DeSantis loses to Trump, it wouldn't be crazy for Trump to then choose him as a running mate. And you know, I think that would be a smart move so uh yeah I tend to agree.
1: Yeah, but won't happen.
0: Uh, you know the think
1: it'll be a I will uh, you know, never pick in a an way, enemy was a, <laughs> was a yeah, no the way he was a prodigy he was a he was a prodigy of uh of uh, of uh, of Trump. Um but uh but there's a lot of bla- bad blood between them. Hard to believe that Trump, which is especially, he does want a vice president who's more charismatic than he is. True. Or as charismatic as he is. So just hard to believe. So uh, like like I said, enjoy the next couple of weeks.
0: Oh, yeah. Because things are starting (laughs) to heat up. Buckle up. Okay, Yochanan Dunn, always very, very fascinating. Uh, editor at Mishpacha and Ya Ted, and once again, I mean, you really bring up these points, these out of the box analytical points that I'm not, I don't hear anywhere else that are fascinating, thought provoking. So, thank you very much, and hope to do this again.
1: My pleasure,
0: Yochanan Dunn on the Vin News podcast.